0: message today like no longer than an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> It'll be short and sweet. We'll all, we'll all, we'll all be to lunch before we know it. <clears throat> I uh absolutely with what we just experienced we can all be in agreement that we are here to bear witness that there is no God but one and Seth to your point the more impossible we recognize the experience that we are having the more we bear witness that this is all God And I'm in agreement, it's not possible to experience what we're experiencing outside of him. It's just not possible. It's not possible for these kids to be who they are outside of him. It's not possible for you wives to be who you are outside of him and you moms. So it all testifies to his reality. It all brings him glory. It all magnifies him. So I praise God one more time for the work of his spirit represented in each of you. So I kind of just feel like speaking from my heart a little bit. Um... Because the experience that some of us had last night was a perfect experience of what God is teaching us yes. right now, Amen. regarding brotherly kindness. Yes. So um, So we're discussing the invitation to partake in the divine nature and to recognize that you are born again purchased by the blood of the true unblemished lamb adopted by the one true living god to recognize that you are all those things is at its very heart to recognize that we are called to walk in the divine nature we're not called to behavior modification We're not called to try a little harder. We're not called to be a little better. We're not called to be religious self-righteous. We're not called to morality. We're called to holiness, which is to partake in the divine nature, to be discipled unto the Holy One of Israel. So there's a beautiful list that Peter gives us as it relates to partaking in the divine nature, and we are at number six of this list. And uh, recently, we've been discussing the godliness addition, recognizing that godliness is about source, and it's about why. Why we do what we do. Why in the moments of decision that happen every day, all day, why do we choose to do what we do? And on the surface, that choice seems to be either to obey God and walk in the virtuous way or disobey God and walk it worldly. But what the Lord was reminding me this morning is that that is the visible fruit. Our obedience or our disobedience to the commandments is sort of the visible fruit. But there's a deeper thing that the Spirit is bringing our awareness to, and that is the why. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4, chapter 4, verse 12, that the Word of God is... Sharper than any two-edged sword, that it pierces and divides soul from spirit, joint from marrow, and it is the what? Discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what that passage means and what the Spirit is showing us is that whether we obey or disobey, is, he's taken us deeper than that. He's taking us beyond the visible fruit of obedience or disobedience. He wants to highlight why. Why do we obey? And here's the revelation, saints. If why we obey is anything other than the love of the God of the Bible, the fruit that is borne out even in our obedience will be rotten. If why we keep a commandment of God is any reason other than loving God, it will be kept in the wrong way for the wrong reasons with the wrong fruit produced. And that way could be, or that why could be, um, I want to be right. Right. That why could be everyone else is doing it. That why could be my spouse told me to. That why could be I like Eric. That why could be this congregation is doing that. That why could even be a commitment to the law and it's all the wrong why. And how do we know the source? How do we know what our why is? How does the Bible, as a two-edged sword, discern and reveal the thoughts and intentions of the heart? It's always one way. You judge the fruit. And you allow the word of God to expose the fruit. Right? So the fruit that Paul talks about in Timothy is His obedience to the law as a Benjamite Pharisee, Hebrew of Hebrews, right? Of all the right stock, zealous for all the right things. What what did he say he was doing? Blaspheming out of arrogance and persecuting the church. And that's what obedience to God's commandments in the flesh, false obedience, fleshly obedience, which is just spiritual masquerading, it's just behavior modification, it's just tears growing up with the wheat. It's just a form of godliness, but denying its authority, that will always manifest in those things. First, it's going to blaspheme the truth. It's always going to twist God's word and God's ways. Always. There's always going to be a twist there's always going to be pride. You're going to make it your identity. You're going to brag about it. You're going to post about it. You're going to use it to beat others up. You're going to build monuments to self. Everything Saul did. right? And you're going to persecute the real thing in one way or another. So having the wrong source in this category is a big deal. Do yes. you guys remember what was said to the letter in the loveless church? What? You forgot, your love. forgot your first love. Did, you, did they have obedience? Yes. Absolutely. Refused to put up with the nonsense, the loveless church, the church in Ephesus. Refused to put up with false doctrine. Exposed false teaching persevered for christ's namesake they had all the obedience what they lack love what did jesus say to them repent and return or else i will remove your lampstand because i will not be misrepresented by a loveless congregation i will not be misrepresented by a loveless family i will not be misrepresented by a loveless individual it's a big deal we got to judge the fruit why we obey and if it's any fruit that is dishonoring to the God of the Bible if it is any fruit that is elevating self if there is pride in our obedience if we come against the true things of God in one way or another we need to repent and return to what? First works. Because what needs to be in this category? Love and devotion to the God of the Bible. And when love and devotion is our source, the outflow will be what? Brotherly kindness. So here's the revelation I had starting last night. Um, A few of us were we together last night, and um, when we were driving home, I'm speaking specifically to the kids right now. My guess is the experience that you all experienced might have been similar to ours. When we were driving home, there was like a tangible buzz in our car just an overwhelming gratitude. Like you guys, I don't even have the right words to put it into. We recognize that from Harmony to Lacey, age-wise, we had a bunch of kids, right? That were loving each other, that were experiencing brotherly kindness, for a couple hours. And I want you guys to think about what we discussed on the way home. How remarkable it was that everyone just loves each other so much. That there's so much unity, that there's so much care for one another. Like think about it from the standpoint of if there was another couple kids that happened to be wandering around that saw you guys playing and were invited to jump in. What do you think those kids would have recognized? Do you think they would have recognized that at our meal, we didn't eat any pork? Would they have recognized that? No. You think they would have recognized that, that as we approached sunset, that we perhaps had awareness that we were moving into the Sabbath? You think they would have recognized that? Probably not. You think they would have recognized that the Lord's name was not taken in vain? Even if someone lost in bags? Probably not. Lacey, I wouldn't experience that because we'd never lose. Only after we got tired. But but here here's the revelation, guys. What is this ultimately about? What is walking in the divine nature ultimately about and ultimately for? This is for our witness. Right. When we walk in the divine nature, it is for the purpose of God being put on display for that, for God's purposes to be done in in that situation, specifically as it relates to reaching those who he is calling to himself. Right. And so I thought about this list and I thought it's sort of like an arrowhead or a spearhead. Right, that's an incredible piece of artwork. I recognize you're all blown away by how good that is. It, see, there's a grip there. It's it's like a legit spear. Okay, so 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 the spearhead is like this list. In in our virtuous living, which is what, living according to God's ways. It's things like aligning with what the Bible says about our diets. It's aligning with the, what the Bible says about our calendar. It's aligning with what the Bible says about our marriages. It's aligning with what the Bible says about every area of life. That is literally just the foundation. That gets very few people's attention. Is it necessary? 100%. Does it, does it form the foundation of our set-apartness as the saints of the one true God? Sort of. But it's sort of just like the given part. And you gotta have knowledge for it. You gotta walk in self-control, you gotta persevere. But when, but but when the witness really becomes powerful, is when we have godliness in place, which is piety towards the God of the Bible, devotion towards the God of the Bible, manifested or walked out in brotherly love, which is love for the brethren. Right? So so really it's It's brotherly kindness and ultimately love that really is the tip of the spear as it relates to our witness. And I think that's best understood when you think about a night like last night. And if someone would have happened to have been wandering around and invited into that gathering, what would they have been blown away by? I think a group of three to 17-year-olds absolutely loving each other because that is impossible and that is absolutely beautiful and I've never seen it experienced before personally. So much so to have my kids on the way home basically glorifying God. For the absolutely amazing friends we get to do life with. And for a simple night like that to mean so much, it's all love. Love is the most powerful force in the world. It is the very thing that solidifies our witness to actually mean something. So I was just thinking about that heavily last night on my mind when I woke up this morning. And and it helped me think about a question that Val posed to me last week. And the question was, as as we got down to brotherly kindness in the list, Val said... um, you better, you better come with a, what that looks like. You better, you, better, you better come with how we love each other. Because I'm convicted, she said. I'm ready. I want to love the brethren. How does the word say we do it? And, um, and I think that's a beautiful response, by the way, Val. I don't think that's an immature response in any way. Because the world has a lot of ridiculous definitions for love. Yes. And unfortunately, the church walks in most of them these days. And so I was really desiring all week to come with like really yes. applic- uh, yeah, applicable steps. How we love each other. And, um, and all I could think about was last night. And I was like, what was going on last night that was so special and so beautiful and so profound and so undeniable? And it wasn't laws, although the laws were kept. It wasn't rules, although the rules were kept. There was was something flowing out of everyone that was there, affecting everyone else. That just couldn't be scripted out and it couldn't be faked and it couldn't be forced and it didn't need to be faked and it didn't need to be forced and it didn't need to be scripted. It was natural and it was organic and it was so profound. We literally talked about it the entire ride home and then made more plans for more nights like that. And who else could we involve? And who else could we invite? And who else could could we show and share what brotherly kindness really looks like? Because it was so wonderful. And interestingly, when I opened up my Bible, he took me right to the end of John again. Um, John twenty one and and i want you to just think about a couple of things that i feel like he shared with me because the because the setting of that of that exchange was was really profound if you just think about some of the you know probably not real common details of it so so peter is fishing And Jesus shows up post crucifixion. Peter jumps out and swims to shore. Asks Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus asks Peter three times, Do you love me? Three times Peter basically says, Yes. And each of those times, then Jesus responds, feed my sheep or feed my lambs. So some of the, so some of the context I think is super important. Why was Peter fishing? Why wasn't he out discipling? What? He was hanging Jesus. No, why, why was he fishing at the time when Jesus uh, sh- revealed himself post-crucifixion? Because he, he gave up. I mean, I think there's a good possibility that he had full-on quit at that point. And why would that have been a likely response? What did he just get done doing? Denying Christ three times and then seeing him die. Say, what types of things will cause us to forsake God? Very little. Very little. A vacation. Leave God. Struggle at work. Forget about God. Conflict in my marriage. Forget about God. A health issue? Forget about God. You know, it's very easy to fall away. It's very easy to forsake. It's very easy to turn inward. Absolutely. Okay, think about what Peter had experienced. First of all, he outright denies Jesus three times. Right? That's a little more than perhaps the sins that you and I would would commit, that would create gap. He just denied him three times, and then he saw him die. So is this a guy that is likely detached from the Lord? Yep. Think about times in your life you've been detached. I can easily say it's been for far less than what Peter was dealing with. So the gap that Peter must have felt in that moment had to be enormous if there was ever anyone in scripture that needed a reorientation right and a reminder and a recommitment to what it's all about this is the this is the situation peter was in and what does jesus do to reorient peter What what does Jesus do to remind Peter what it's all about, what it takes to get back on track? Like, just get him back in. What's he say? Do you love me? Right? What's he asking about ultimately? Is this in place? Right? Because if this is in place, what to do next is automatic. He says, if you love me, do what? Feed my sheep. Listen to me, saints. If you love me, feed my sheep. If godliness is in place, love the church. If you have devotion towards the God of the Bible, care for the brethren. That's the most reorienting thing you can possibly hear. I don't care how far from God you are right now. I don't care how big the gap is. To anyone that's listening that has lost their way, that has forgot how to love God, why to love God, when to love God, right? This is the reorientation. This is the, the compass calling you home. The way you love the God of the Bible is by loving the brethren. And that is not a prescription, a forced, white-knuckled, guilt obligation. It is an outflow of love. So every one of the things that Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, right, now that the mystery has been revealed... And you recognize that it is my intent that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the powers and principalities of the spirit realm through the church. The reason we congregate and form this body, this living, breathing manifestation of God in the earth is to speak a single message. And that single message is everything we experienced last night. So it makes sense that Paul would say, now that you recognize that mystery, make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of peace. Right? You got to be lowly. You got to be gentle. You got to be kind. You got to be patient. What are all of those things fruits of? The spirit. How How do you produce fruit? You must abide in the vine. What is abiding in the vine? First works. It is our one-on-one time with the Lord, one-on-one, him and you, alone, in his word, in prayer, in worship, in meditation, in silence, whatever it looks like. It is that, that love for God that pushes us into loving the brethren. It, he fills us so much in those moments that the overflow is first and foremost onto this group. So it is not a forced, faked compulsion or obligation. It is a natural outflow if we are walking in the divine nature to love what God loves the most. This, this is him. This is his. This is his business. This is his work. And the more you love him, the more you will participate in his business. The more you love him, the more you will participate in his work you want to be where jesus is he's walking amongst the churches is he not is that not what revelation teaches it is such a deception to believe that you can love the god of the bible and not love the church absolute deception to to believe in any way that you can love the god of the bible and not love the brethren you are worshiping a god of your own making i can do this without loving the church. Nope, you can't. Not according to what's written. There is no walking in the divine nature without a love for the brethren because it's his bride. So do we have a bunch of kids who last night were faking their love for one another? Absolutely impossible. Kids don't fake anything. <laughs> right? For To be together for several hours and have just love flowing, it's impossible. What causes that? They all know the Lord. And the love that God fills them up and, and, and p- puts in them, they, they, they share it with one another. And it was shared with the testimony this morning. Right? Not one testimony this morning was how obediently anyone in this room follows the dietary laws. Not one person gave testimony to that. You see the point that I'm making? The point the Spirit's making to me? Yeah, God's commandments are awesome and they're important, and we do keep them out of love for God. But this is not the tip of the spear. This is. So if you think it's all about this, it's highly likely you're doing that for the wrong reasons. And in your flesh. If there is a struggle to love the church, you have to recognize, and I have to recognize, that is automatically a struggle to walk in the divine nature. So we got to know Why? As the love for the church grows, as you, as you begin to pour into the saints from a prayer standpoint, from an encouragement standpoint, from a, from a resource standpoint, from a time standpoint, from a whatever-they-need standpoint, it's amazing how it brings you closer to the Lord. Why? Because he's in the church. You want to be close to Jesus? Get close to the church. You want to be far from Jesus? Get away from the church. I mean, the real one, Amen. the true, the true body of Christ. Loving people. Here, here comes some real transparency. Loving people is tiring. And it's costly. It's way easier to not. It is only the power of love that will cause us to love even when we're tired. Think about a sick kid, and think about someone that is paid to care for them, like a nurse, and think about mom caring for them. Which one has more endurance? Which one will do anything? Which one will give anything? Which one will persevere and endure and overcome all fatigue and all cost and all burden and all struggle? Mom, why? Because the why. When the why is love, love is possible. That's why godliness comes before. Okay, so we don't put brotherly kindness above godliness, it is the outflow. Of loving God. And I have to remember that as a pastor. Because because any pastor that does not love and spend time with the God of the Bible, it will manifest in their pastoring. It will manifest in the difference between nice and kind, to use a Diane teaching. It's, a, it's so right on. right? The difference between nice and kind, the church and hireling pastors are nice. Hireling pastors are nice people. And they'll treat their congregation nicely. Pastors that love God and, and allow that love to overflow into their congregation, they'll be kind. You want to know the difference? Kind will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Kind will set your feelings aside so that the, the truth can be shared in order to protect you. And Lacey came up with an awesome Example we are walking after last week. We were walking. We were talking about nice versus kind. And here's what Lacey said. If you wipe your face and you smear a big wet booger across your cheek, being nice will be someone coming up to you and ignoring it so they don't offend you or hurt your feelings. Being kind will be coming up, someone coming up and telling you, hey, you got a big booger on your face.
1: That's perfect. It's perfect.
0: <laughs> okay, but I, with all joking aside, I demand that you hold me accountable to always be kind. To always speak the truth. the only way that that will be the case is if i spend time with the lord the only way i can have the love that i have for each of you guys is because i spend time with the lord period the only way that i can have kindness and gentleness and patience and meekness and everything else that i must have in order to love this congregation it all only comes cuz i spend time with the god with god no other reason it's not theological it's not about study. It's not about revelation. It's
1: not something you spoke. You, oh, nice is what you're supposed
0: to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Kind is what you Absolutely. Like and the church is super guilty about doing what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. The, and sometimes it, it creates hard decisions that must be made. Okay, so I'm going to make one point today. I told you this was going to be quick. Okay, First John chapter 3. As we spend time with the Lord, abiding in the vine, actively engaged in our first works, the love that God pours into us will pour out. The primary target of that love, the saints, the house of God, the brethren. Why? Because what we create is supposed to be so incredible and so beautiful and so impossible and so wonderful, it attracts others. Amen. Think about last night. That is why brotherly kindness is the outflow of godliness. Because what was experienced last night was beautiful and attractive, was it not? Okay, so it's supposed to be that way. When, when the love is flowing, when the love is filling and flowing over, there are some practical things the Bible says we need to do with it. All right, so we're just going to look at one today. One quick one and then we're done. 1 John chapter 3. Someone want to read um, starting verse 10 for us?
1: Uh, the imperative of love, uh, verse 10.
0: Anyone know what imperative means? It's like required. Necessity. Yep. Go ahead, Kirby. Uh, it's almost like urgent, too,
1: isn't it?
0: Yep. Absolutely.
1: Children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love
0: his brother. Okay, what do we need? We need virtuous living which is the foundation. We need brotherly love, which is almost the tip of the spear. Do we need them both? Absolutely. Is it imperative that we walk in them both? Absolutely can't have one or the other you can't just love right and you can't ignore everyone while you keep the commandments you got to do both go ahead What is the darkness always gonna do to the light? Attack, always. It is not neutral. The light is not neutral to the dark and the dark is not neutral to the light. Read verse 14 again, Kirby.
1: We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love a his big brother statement. abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has
0: eternal life abiding in death. Keep going, please. Now we're talking practical application. Val, are you listening? Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, the outworking of love, verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life
0: Okay, how does Jesus call us to love every time he mentions it in red letters? Love each other as I loved. It is the most specific commandment, right? The church wants to turn it into the most ambiguous commandment. Just go love. Jesus never said that. He always only said, love each other as I loved. How did he love? Very perfectly aligned with God's ways, yeah. right? Who did he love? Everyone. Everyone God gave him. It's also defined where the husband loves his wife as Christ loved the church. Absolutely, exactly right. The Bible, the Bible is very precise about love. And the, and the foundation of our brotherly love, listen, we're talking about how to love each other. In this room, amongst, including all of the saints of God worldwide. In this room and the saints of God worldwide, the first thing we must do from a heart stance standpoint is what? My life is laid down for you. Why? Because God laid down his life for me. It is always only walking in the divine nature that we're talking about, Right? Everything's got to be understood that way. To partake in the divine nature means we do what God does. We work how God works. So his primary expression and manifestation of his love for us was to do what? Lay down his life. So what is our primary fundamental heart position towards loving the brethren? We lay down our life. Is that easy? Impossible. I witnessed, saints, kids that would lay down their life for their friends last night. Amen. That would serve. That would give. That would correct. That's impossible. Beautiful. Okay, so we lay down our life. Curry? how else do we love we take care of each other we take care of each other i have watched nearly my entire life the church consume everything it's given consume to do what Buy more lights and buy more TVs and buy more playgrounds because I just literally read it this morning. Charles Spurgeon said <laughs> one of the greatest lies that the devil has ever made the church believe is that it can entertain people into the gospel. Yes. Yes. And so because that lie is believed, there is incredible amounts of money poured into entertainment and entertaining and comfort and feelings and emotions. Right? So what's the church become? This giant consumer of money. Giant consumer of money. Every church I've ever belonged to consumed it all. Okay? Here's my commitment To do the exact opposite. To have as tiny of a budget, operations budget, as we possibly can, so that whenever a need comes up, it can be met. Why? Because to me, brotherly love means no one's needs go unmet. Is that tricky? No, I don't think it is. It's just about being obedient. And for some reason, listen to me, guys. God is positioning us to be able to meet needs. And why do I think that is? Because in Acts chapter 2, the fellowship believers, it says, uh, they were of one mind and one spirit, and everything they held, they held in common. What was going on then? Persecution and hard. Hard, hard times. Has God used persecution and hard times to draw his people to himself? That's almost all he's ever used. Right? So when things get tough, the, the saints are, are, are for each other and care for each other. And there is protection and, and um, safety and blessing to be a part of the congregation. It's supposed to be that way. So God's positioning us to meet, to meet needs. Why? Maybe there's gonna come a, a time in the, in the future where it gets really hard. And we gotta care for each other like we never have before. I don't know that that's going to happen. But somehow, some way, being a part of the body of Christ is going to mean something when it gets hard and when the famine comes because God communicated to to Joseph in a dream. Right? There's been multiple times when God used his people being able to care for others to show his sovereignty. So we're gonna keep being lean and mean, and we're gonna keep taking care of needs when they come up. And I expect each of you to continue to bring those needs to me. when they come and every time a a check is written or a gift is given or a Walmart card is passed out we give God glory amen guys there's there's nothing special about it it's just biblical it's just the way it always was so we take absolutely zero pride in it the reality is is all we do as uh, we continue to seek alignment God just continues to show us it all works he's got the plan down perfectly he's got the protocol down perfectly it all works perfectly It will all ultimately accomplish his will. We just got to stick with what's written. So it is one of the ways that we love each other that we make sure that no one's hurting. As it relates specifically to needs of this world, we meet them. Amen, and we and we give God glory that there, that there is provision and protection because we are the sheep of His pasture. Yes, sir.
2: I have this feeling. Uh, I have some problems I should all know, and uh, for some reason during this time, I have this feeling that I should try and sing the Lord's prayer. For this Amen. The
0: end is the I
2: think is the same. Beautiful. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is a kingdom and the power and the glory
0: Amen. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Has anyone noticed whenever the spirit moves on someone to worship, it's that? Awesome. All we got to do is stick with what's written. We We give God glory for everything that that meant. And everything that's led up to that moment. Thank you for your obedience, Paul. I think that concludes us for the day. Love you all. Have an amazing rest of your weekend.